0: Thank <laughs> you. We are honored to have Helene Gale with us here today. Dr. Gale has been a director of the Coca-Cola Company since 2013, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Chicago Community Trust. She held the positions of President and Chief Executive Officer of Care USA and has spent 20 years with the CDC. She has also served as Program Director in the Global Health Program at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Welcome, Helene. Um, so
1: we just wanted to kind of start off by, um, you know, you are the CEO of the Chicago Community Trust, which is one of the largest community foundations in the United States. So we would just love to hear about the work that you guys are doing. And in- people that don't know.
2: Yeah, so it's um, wonderful to be with both of you today. And You know, um, the Chicago Community Trust is the community foundation for the Chicago region, and it's been around for about 105 years and, you know, really serves as a way for uh, people who want to invest in their community, to invest dollars that we can then use uh, to address some of the biggest challenges facing the Chicago region you know, uh, about a year ago, we developed a new strategy that is specifically focused on the issue of closing the racial and ethnic wealth gap. You know, we know that wealth inequality is a huge issue here in our country, as it is around the world. And in Chicago, like many cities across our nation, wealth and and wealth inequality also has uh, a racial inequality dimension to it. And so we know that in Chicago, um, Black and Latinx communities uh, are disproportionately impacted by poverty and also make up two thirds of of the population here. So we really believe that if we can make a difference in the two thirds of the population that is being left behind, it will have a huge impact for the whole city and region. So we believe it's the right thing to do, the fair thing to do, the just thing to do to uh, increase economic opportunity for all of the citizens of this region but we also know it's the only way in which we're going to all move ahead uh economically if we make sure that everybody has the potential to realize their economic future
0: yeah and and how do you guys do that um what are some achievements that you guys have made so far
2: well you know um we 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 know that it will take a while to have a, a real impact. Um, this kind of inequality didn't happen overnight. It's taken you know decades of disinvestment and not uh, and economic inequity that um, we don't expect we're going to reverse overnight. So uh, first of all, you know we're focused on three specific things. One, how do you increase Um, income at the household level. So we call that strand growing household wealth. Uh, The second way in which we're trying to have an impact is by increasing investment in neighborhoods where there's been large disinvestment and neglect. So the second part of our strategy is on catalyzing neighborhood investment. And the third is really focused on how do we help make sure residents themselves, community members, have what they need to be civic participants and really be at the table as decisions are made um, about their lives. And so that strand we call building collective power. How do we give resident voice and resident power um, in communities, particularly communities where there has not been the opportunity to engage civically.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And talking just about how different things disproportionately impact people of color and you know, the minorities in our country, um, how has COVID-19 disproportionately impacted people of color? And yeah, can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yes, and so, you know, across the nation and again here in Chicago, we've seen uh, COVID-19 disproportionately impact communities of color, particularly Uh, Black, Latinx, and and Native American populations across our our nation. Here, 72% of deaths have occurred in Black and Latinx population. And so, you know, we're really putting a real impact on this, both because of the health impact, obviously, uh, people are getting sick and dying, but it's also had such an economic impact as well. You know, this is the first pandemic in our lifetime uh, a public health crisis that has actually caused an economic crisis because of the lockdowns and shutdowns that we've had to do. So it's a you know real intertwined health and economic crisis, and so we're really trying to make sure we do what we can because it impacts our overall mission of this issue of wealth inequality, and you know these same communities. That have been most hard hit by the health aspects are the same communities that were already economically fragile and are, are being left even further behind, whether it's unemployment, closure of small businesses, and all the other uh, economic impacts that we're seeing due to COVID-19.
0: And you're one of the co-chairs of the National Academy's framework for vaccine distribution and working on how the coronavirus vaccine can be distributed equitably. Um, we'd love to hear how you believe people should be prioritized in receiving this vaccine, and has the distribution been happening in a fair way so far?
2: Uh, when we wrote the report uh, this this summer, that was released in October, you know, we our charge, which uh, the report was commissioned by the CDC and the NIH, to really develop. Uh, a framework that could be used to base national policy on. And and we really looked at, took our charge of building equity into that very seriously. And so throughout the report, we talk about how can this be done in a way that is most equitable, that recognizes the communities that have been most hard hit and that that be taken into consideration uh, in terms of prioritization and al- allocation. So clearly that, uh, that was an important part of our of our report, making sure that equity was at the center of it. Um, we know that across the nation that has not happened and that populations that have less, less access to health services have less access to broadband um, where so many of the appointments that are made need to are, are on internet, et cetera. So we know that there's a lot of reasons why Um, in the beginning of this rollout, it wasn't as equitable as as, uh, we had hoped that it would be. And in some places, people have prioritized speed over equity. Um, Yes, we want to get as many people vaccinated as possible, but if we're not getting the vaccines to the populations that are most impacted, we also are not going to have the uh, best and, and greatest impact on reducing the transmission reducing the uh, death and and illness so we really need to go where where the disease is having its greatest impact both because it's the right thing to do to help populations that have been disproportionately impacted but it's also the smart public health way target the populations at greatest risk you'll have the greatest impact on uh, reducing the impact of this pandemic Mm
1: -hmm. and do you feel hopeful about the end of the pandemic, thanks to the vaccine.
2: I, I do feel hopeful. Um, you know, first of all, we're seeing that as the vaccine rolls out and as people have more time, um, these issues of equity are being addressed, and people are looking at ways in which they could, cities and states can make sure that vaccines get to the populations where the risk is greatest. We also see some of the vaccine hesitancy people's lack of willingness to take the vaccine that was really a big part of the early um, days uh, around this vaccine. There was a lot of mistrust. We're seeing that vaccine hesitancy also starting to decrease, including in populations where the risk is greatest. So I feel hopeful that we can, in fact, over the next few months, both ramp up Uh, the amount of vaccine available, because that's a a big piece of it too. There's still a scarcity, but I think there's a lot of optimism about ramping up um, and scaling up the the manufacturing of vaccines so that more is available. uh, As people have more experience getting this vaccine out and distributed, it's becoming more equitable. And I also think people are now more willing to take it. So I think for all of those reasons, I feel hopeful that we'll continue to get better about this. We're also doing a lot more on um, developing treatments. It's, it's going to be important to have treatments as well because we know that there will still be people who will get sick and who will need hospitalization and who will need treatment. And we're seeing in so many places people taking seriously this mandate to wear masks, social distance, wash your hands, and all of these other things. Because I think we can't forget that even as people are getting vaccinated, we can't let our guard down about the core public health practices that we know will reduce the spread and and reduce transmission. So it's gonna take all of that. It's gonna take continuing um, to use the public health measures, get people vaccinated and find better treatments so that we have all of those things to make an impact on this pandemic.
0: And switching gears a little bit, as the former president of the organization CARE, you've also done a lot of work for girls and women, specifically around education. Um, So we'd love to hear about that work and why it's so important to you.
2: Well, uh, at CARE, we put um, the uh, empowering girls and women as really key to the strategy for ending global poverty, because we know all the data show that if if you educate a girl, she's uh, more likely to get married later, start her ch- childbearing later, earn an income and really be able to invest in that family. And we know that when women uh, have access to income, they use those dollars in ways that help to uh, educate their family, make sure that they have nutritious food, all the things that really make a big difference, not only for that woman or that girl, but for her family um, and for the future of, of of nations. So we know that investing in girls and women uh, really return, gives you the best return on investment, if you will, when we're thinking about reducing poverty.
1: Wow, incredible. Um, so that's all we have for today. And so thank you so much, Elaine, for joining us. It was so great to talk to you and we learned so much. Um, and now that the conversation's over, it's time to take action. So. Um, if you want to learn more about CARE and what they've been doing, go to CARE.org, um, and you can get involved by volunteering, attending one of their events, joining their networks and communities, and also, if you can, give to your community foundations and just figure out how you can get involved, um, it's very important to stay involved with your community, especially in this time. So, thank great. you so much, Colleen. It was so great talking to you. Well, wonderful to be
2: with both of you, and thanks so much for all you're doing. It means a lot
0: million